0: Welcome to episode 100 of section 138. It's taken us, I don't know, four years to get here, but we're
1: finally here. As always, I'm joined by Bryson and Jacob. How are you guys? Uh, good, thanks. How are you? F- first of all, it's very good to uh, reach the century mark. Uh, it's a pretty big milestone for us, so a uh, special episode for sure. Yeah. And how are you, Jacob?
2: Yeah, I'm great. It's 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 been a long time coming. Uh, it's, it's definitely been fun.
0: Well, this week... We were going to do a special episode and then we decided, you know, we're kind of rolling with everything happening. in free agency, of course, lots of of news this week with a couple of guys that the Blue Jays were interested in signing. Um, So we decided just to keep things going, keep talking about, um, you know, free agency, everything that's happening with the Blue Jays. So uh, we'll start things off with what we heard just a couple hours ago from... Ken Rosenthal, he reported um, or suggested that the Blue Jays might be interested in not only signing George Springer, but also signing Michael Brantley as well, because the two are very strong friends. And we've seen the Blue Jays interested in Springer, we've seen them interested in Brantley a couple months ago, but we've never seen um, both of these rumors kind of intersect in the way they're intersecting now. And I, I mean, what do you guys think about the the need for the Blue Jays to get two outfielders, because as it is already, we know that the Blue Jays obviously want an improvement in the outfield. Obviously, they have Randall Grishik, they're not happy with Grishik, but if they got Brantley and Springer, that would mean, you know, taking away at-bats, taking away playing time from guys like Teoscar Hernandez, guys from like Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Maybe if you slide Brantley into a designated hitter spot, you're taking away play from someone like Vladimir Guerrero Jr., depending where he plays whether it's mostly at first base, mostly a designated hitter, or a split between the two. So it seems like this might be a good idea on paper for the Blue Jays, but it's a little bit flawed in the execution in that it could pose problems on the field. So what do you guys think about this report from Ken Rosenthal?
2: Yes, I think same thing that you just said, Mark. I, this is going to take away time from you know other players, whether it be. Uh, in the outfield specifically, or you know, as a designated hitter, I think Michael Brantley is a good player. Uh, last year, he did hit uh, 300 with a 364 on-base percentage. So I mean, he's not a he's not a bad player by any means. But like you said, if first of all, I think if George Springer or any outfielder comes, he's going to take over Randall Grichuk's spot. And as for that, I don't or. After that, I don't think the Blue Jays want to get rid of Teoscar Hernandez or Lourdes Gurriel Jr., maybe not even get rid of them, but take away from their playing time. I think the Blue Jays are set with them. Obviously, we've seen Gurriel take a lot of improvements this year. He, I believe he hit over 300 for the season. There were many instances where you could see his defense was improving. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez arguably had a breakout season this year, so do the Blue Jays want to take away from that? I don't think so. I think they are, they are set with the corner of the outfield, just the middle outfield is where they want to kind of figure out, you know, is Grisha going to stay here to the end of his contract? Is he going to be traded or are they going to replace him basically? And if they are to replace him, it would be with one outfielder. They're not going to, I don't think they want to have four permanent outfielders that they kind of, uh, that they switch between and they, they rotate through. And just because there's only so many games, and obviously 162 games or even whatever the the league wants to do this year, there's you know, there's time to fit them all in, but I, I really don't think that that's the right thing to do. You either get one outfielder, or if you get a second outfielder, then one of them is gone, or like I said, maybe a uh, backup slash uh, kind, kind of a, not not necessarily a backup, but they, they kind of switch between every other day, or they, they want to go kind of match up, say this guy's good against lefty, so he's going to hit, or something like that, but I just, I don't like that. I, I want to see Teoscar Hernandez and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. in the corner, and then Michael Brantley is a good player, George Springer is a good player, but I don't think that they would get both of them. I think it would just be one of them.
1: This is an interesting one because this is kind of the first time, I guess this or this offseason where other than George Springer and the, the you know the normal names that we've been talking about, uh Michael Brantley's coming into play for this one. And the thing with the see over the past week, I think my opinion's a little change a little bit and I'll tell you why. Um, with the Jays missing out on some of these names again, I wouldn't be surprised if they go ahead and do this. Uh, I think they're getting to the point where they need to do something, and they're start. They're definitely he, uh, hearing it from the fans. They've been hearing it all offseason, but especially this week. Liam Hendricks um, goes to the White Sox, a player who pretty much visited the Jays' facility. Somebody who they're obviously very interested in. If that's happening, DJ LeMahieu goes back to New York. Uh, that's it was a tough week for them. They missed out on a couple big names here that they, sh- you know, that they were. They've been interested in all offseason. And you're starting to get to that point now where you're starting to wonder if they may come up empty-handed. And it was a discussion that we had early in the offseason. And I pretty much, I remember saying personally that it was a discussion to save closer to the end of the offseason to see how this pans out. And the way it's looking right now, it's not looking too good for the Jays, but they still have some options. But the reason why I think that they can easily do this is for that reason alone, that they may be tempted... To be aggressive, to make a move, and Mark, you were the first one out of all three of us to mention that possibility. That you were worried about just the Jays getting too aggressive, but um, and then we were discussing how they could easily be aggressive without, you know, going o- overboard. But you know, signing someone like Michael Brantley first of all, and if you're bringing him and George Springer to the Blue Jays, then that immediately complicates something. And there's no question in my mind that you make another move, regardless if it's a trade. Or you, you you do something. Because the way it looks right now on paper, and these were out, outfielders as well who were, I guess, spent time with the Jays last season and who are under contract for this season. You have Jonathan Davis, who was the fourth outfielder, and he didn't get a chance until late in the season in September. And when he played, he, he impressed. And he's somebody that you can't really write off just yet. Uh, he, he would be a decent fourth outfielder option. Uh, Derek Fisher still hanging around. I don't know how much that's going to, you know. I Derek Fisher... Obviously not all of us are sold on, but he. there's no way that he cracks the, the roster uh, coming out of spring training. Randall Gritchik, you have Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Teoscar Hernandez. Those are the big three. And if you bring in George Springer, that alone, without bringing in Michael Brantley, that already crowds something, and there's definitely a move that has to be made. And if you bring in him and Michael Brantley, then it's just almost inevitable that you, you got to move somebody. You, you can't hold on to all these players and crowd that. Uh, that roster with that amount of outfielders, but Michael Brantley is very, uh, very good. He was pretty much he spent majority of his season with cle, or sorry, his career with Cleveland, and the past two years he's been with the Astros, and the past couple years. Uh, he, it seems like he's you know, found an extra gear again. Is he had a couple of, near the end of cl- his Cleveland days, other than 2017, 2018. He's been an all-star uh, both of those seasons. And for the past three seasons, 2018 to 2019, he was an all-star as well. But before that, there was a few seasons where he... Uh, I guess dropped off a bit in numbers, but his numbers have always been good. And when I mean drop off, I mean barely. And then of course, uh, the past couple of seasons he spent with the Houston Astros and with Houston, he's been uh, lights out and he's been phenomenal. He was, an out, he was an all-star in 2019, like I mentioned beforehand. And uh, last year as well, he played 46 games. He had an OPS of 840. He was another one who put up solid numbers uh, last year. Take away from it what you want in a 60 game season, but it's just consistent to what his career numbers are. And if you bring in Michael Brantley and George Springer, that uh, definitely creates some problems. But that's why I do think that if it's possible that the Jays could potentially do this because of the reason alone of them being, or wanting to be aggressive in free agency, just because of these names that they're starting to miss out on. And the options are still there, don't get me wrong, but the names are starting to fade very slowly with these players signing elsewhere, such as LeMayhew, Hendricks, um, and among others who the Jays have been interested in. Yeah, and just to
0: reiterate ken rosenthal wasn't reporting this as like a solidified thing that the blue jays are trying to do he was just kind of bouncing ideas off of people and seeing you know could this be a potential for the blue jays and but to what you were saying bryson like michael brantley is really good right like the last time he hit below 300 was uh a couple years ago in 2017 and he hit 299 right so he's a really really good hitter so he's not the type of guy who's going to be You know, a backup outfielder, a fourth outfielder, a guy who's maybe getting in the lineup, DH, every couple of days. That's not who Michael Brantley is. Michael Brantley is going to be a starter. So, it's a little bit weird that the Blue Jays don't have space for him. Already we saw people before when, you know, they are originally interested in outfielders like JBJ, George Springer, Michael Brantley. People are questioning, like, shouldn't the top priority be pitching? Like, you don't have a lot of room... Um, in the outfield unless you trade someone like Randall Grishik which we assume is part of the Blue Jays um, long-term plans. So to me, it's like you said Bryson, you need a trade to make this work. Already getting George Springer was a, a stretch. If you add Michael Brantley into the equation, there's no way you get out of this without trading Randall Grishik plus maybe someone like Lourdes Goriel Jr. or heaven forbid Teoscar Oscar Hernandez. Um but even if you're trading one of those guys, it's like they just came off of the best season of their career, right? Florida's Goriel Jr. hitting 300, Teoscar Hernandez hitting a bunch of home runs, winning a Silver Slugger award. They just came off amazing season, so I'm not sure the Blue Jays are ready to trade them or willing to trade them because of the performance they just put up. So to me, this is a little bit of a stretch to make it work, Um, and I, like I said, I, I don't think it's going to happen Um, maybe Bryson they do get a little bit too aggressive as we've been saying for the past couple weeks um, couple months maybe they get nervous they're scared they're going to miss out on guys they see this as their opportunity to get a big name in George Springer and then a little bit of a bonus in Michael Brantley but personally I don't really like this idea
2: see that's the big thing that I'm noticing none of us really disagree that Michael Brantley or George Springer are good players but you know, you kind of go back to that old saying, if it isn't broke, don't fix it. You know, the Blue Jays arguably want to slash should replace Randall Gritchick, but they don't need to replace anybody else in the outfield. As you said, Mark, uh, Teoscar Hernandez and Lourdes Guerrero Jr. had some of the best years of their career last year, and I think they are solidifying themselves as borderline stars. And, you know, if you want to replace them with a guy that, you know, arguably is still a very good player, but it just doesn't really make sense because you have already guys that... uh, that can take that role. And I think that's similar to the whole uh, uh, Francisco Lindor conversation where, you know, the Blue Jays could benefit from him, but they already have guys that can take over that role.
1: Yeah. There's, it's, it's been, I don't don't know. I don't know how I currently feel. I want to get your guys updates because there, there was a lot this week, I guess that um, connects to the Blue Jays just because of the players they've been interested in. But uh, I, I just, I want to get your thoughts guys on, yeah, I don't know your current, optimism for getting George Springer. You know, there was the report yesterday that he apparently prefers to play close to where he's from in Connecticut. And of course, New York is closer, uh, but it's still based off of what we know. It's still going to be the Jays and the Mets is the The two front runners for George Springer, nobody else has kind of stepped in yet. And then there's the DJ Lemayhu signing, which it was very, it was, I just found everything weird about it. And Mark, I know you, one of your predictions was to kind of snag him away and steal him from the Yankees. And, it's just, it, I don't understand it because even after the contract was, or whatever the reports came out that he stayed, the, there was another report that said that, or showed what the Blue Jays offered him. And really, at, at the end, the Jays offered him the most amount of money, but of, of course he took more of the term to go back to New York. And yeah, I think the, the Jays was, offered, I think it was what, four years, $78 million? $78 million, million, yeah. Six and then years, had, $90 yeah. million? Exactly. And that's, it's just, I don't know if, that leaking like does that give you optimism that or proof that the Jays are really all in with these players especially with the number they offered DJ LeMahieu they offered him like I said the most amount of money but of course it was the term that got him to go back to New York and with George Springer I just I don't know the exact numbers of that but do you guys like what's the update with your current optimism with these guys because it was pretty tough this week and even to the Liam Hendricks signing I know that the Jays were interested in him and all but paying him that amount of money uh, for a reliever, it just that doesn't sit well with me, and I'm kind of glad almost that the the Jays missed out on that one because of the money he did get from Chicago. It was a lot of money. I don't know the exact number, but for a reliever, it was relatively high. And for DJ DJ LeMahieu, he's 33 years old. You know, signing him to a six year deal. I don't know how I feel about that as well. I know he is arguably the best hitter in baseball, and eventually he will regress, especially as he's entering his mid 30s. So that's another thing why I'm not too upset about. Missing out on LeMahieu, but if he came to the Jays with the amount, I guess the contract that they offered him, I'd be completely fine with it. But giving him six years is just a little bit of a risk. But I don't want to, you know, I just, a lot of fans are, like I said, are are furious with the front office. And this week added fuel to the fire. But what's the update with you guys with Springer and the names that the Jays missed out on this week?
0: Yeah, this week was not encouraging at all. I think part of it is at least for myself i think a lot of fans have kind of forgotten how free agency works like not like obviously the the intimate mechanics of it but like the overarching fact that you just have to overpay for players and especially being in toronto you have to overpay on top of overpaying for players in free agency and i think we've just forgotten that so i i i think the blue jays are being aggressive um but I think our appetite in that, you know, we we miss out on Hendricks, but then we say, oh, well, we didn't want to give him $54 million anyway. We miss out on DJ LeMahieu, and then we say, oh, we didn't want to give him $90 million anyway, even though the Jays offered a higher average annual value to him. I, I think we've just forgotten that you have to pay more than these players are worth. These players aren't actually as good as the money they're getting, but... In order to woo them over to the Blue Jays, you have to overpay them. Like, I think back to Russell Martin, you know, 2014, signing a five-year, $82 million contract. Like, he wasn't worth that much. That contract ended up being an albatross after, like, two years with the Blue Jays. But you have to overpay the players to get them to sign with your team. And on top of that, you have to overpay them to get them to sign in Kendo with the Blue Jays, especially this year when you don't know where they're playing. So... I, it's frustrating to see this happen, especially when you think, oh, well, Hendricks didn't deserve that much. Oh, LeMahieu didn't deserve that much. Oh, you know, Lindor, well, we didn't want to sign him to a big extension anyways. But I think, at least for me, I'm trying to to think of it differently. I'm trying to think, well, you know, if you want these players, you have to pay that amount of money. So yes, I am getting frustrated with the Blue Jays at this point. But again, like only 11 of the top 40 um, free agents are off the market. There's still so many guys out there that the Blue Jays can get and so many of the guys that they're interested in, right? Only one of the top 4 is off the market. There's still got Real Muto who apparently it's only down to the Phillies and the Blue Jays. Still got Trevor Bauer who apparently the Blue Jays are um, strong contenders for. Uh so yes, I'm frustrated, but also I'm, I I I I don't want the Blue Jays to overpay, so I'm I'm conflicted in where I am in that you know, I see how much these guys are getting. I'm glad that the Blue Jays didn't give them that much. But then at the same time, I'm frustrated they didn't sign them.
2: Yeah, it's, it's the exact same. You know, it's, it's unfortunate. Uh, the fact that the Blue Jays, you know, kind of have a disadvantage being in Canada. Uh, I remember Buck Martinez back in 2014. You remember the Melky Cabrera rumors about, you know, what's going to happen with him. And Buck Martinez, on a broadcast said, you know, it's tougher because you have to always have, you know, your passport and your, you know, your everything with you because you're constantly going in and out of the country. And the Blue Jays just unfortunately suffer from that. And obviously, you know, a a lot of the times, whenever you hear hockey, basketball, anything, it's always, you know, the tax laws and everything and how, you know, you're playing in Canada. And it's just, it's, it's very different. Um, But like you said, Mark, I'm really conflicted. You know, one thing, uh, a couple days ago, uh, Sid Sixero put out a tweet saying, uh, spending 54 million dollars uh, guaranteed on a reliever is insane and I agree with it I mean it, it sucks that the Blue Jays have to kind of overpay and over convince guys to come and stay in Toronto but it's just kind of you kind of have to draw a line of where is it where is it, or what is the amount that's kind of a little bit too much but also justifiable because if you don't spend that much then you don't get the player uh, but yeah as for you know kind of guys that the Blue Jays have been targeting George Springer I am getting a little bit concerned especially with that rumor that he wants to play close to his hometown and I mean New York is not ridiculously far from Toronto but you know it still is far you, you know it's not like you can just drive to Connecticut or you you can't you know go in and out of the area very quickly there's still at least a 10 plus hour drive if you want to drive uh, so it's It really is interesting. I think if the Mets, uh, obviously we talked about this a couple weeks ago where the Mets owner has basically said they're not going to pursue someone like George Springer very heavily, but even if they make a comparable offer to what the Blue Jays did, uh, then uh, honestly I think George Springer might end up going to the Mets. And obviously I want him to come to the Blue Jays, but at the same time, if you look at it, the Blue Jays, yes, I think will be a very good team this year and yes, have a bright future, but at the same time, if the Mets are closer to his hometown, you know, we saw... Uh, that sometimes can be the the end decision obviously you you look back at especially like the NBA the whole Kawhi Leonard situation he ended up going to Los Angeles because that was where he was from that's his hometown you know he doesn't want to be uh he doesn't want to live in the bottom of the U.S. and be playing in the bottom of Canada you know you're you just geographically didn't make sense for him and I think that unfortunately might just kind of you know it sucks in Canada like I said but it's just kind of how it, it goes and as for the Blue Jays, you know, it's just, it it is a very unfortunate situation. I think uh, a lot of people throughout Sportsnet and ESPN, all these other reporters, they've always basically said, if you want a good team in Canada, you have to draft, you have to trade or overpay. And it just kind of is how it is. You know, you look at the Blue Jays, most of their roster is from international signings or signings or draftings or, you know, something in order to kind of not convince the player but kind of out of their control you know obviously you can control if you sign with the team that drafted you but at the same time they've kind of already selected you so it's just unfortunately with free agency I'm starting to get a little worried you know I was very optimistic at the start of it even though even you'll go back to the summer I didn't think the Blue Jays were going to have a very uh, aggressive free agency but you know they said they were and I was you know optimistic that they would do something but now as we're seeing is you know we thought the, that the Yankees were going to, or the Blue Jays were going to snag DJ LeMahieu from the Yankees. Well, he kind of, you know, he ended up going back to the Yankees, even though the Blue Jays uh, comparably offered him a better amount per year. So it's just, it's unfortunately, we're, we're going to have to see how free agency goes. It's definitely a a weird situation to be in, because like you said, Mark, I want, obviously, the Blue Jays to be a good team. And I think that they they do have the money to spend right now, but at the same time, at what point do you draw the line saying this is an okay amount of money but anything more than that, you know, maybe it gets us the player but it's not worth it in terms of, you know, the bottom line.
0: Well, let's create this like if if the Blue Jays miss out on George Springer, like what happens then? Like do they just go all in on a like Trevor Bauer or JT Realmuto? Like like I guess that's why I'm Like, not totally freaking out yet. It's because there's still so many other names on the market. Like, I don't know. Like, even pitchers like James Paxton, Jake Odorizzi. Like, these guys are still on the market. So, that's why I'm like, it's not the end of the world if they miss out on George Springer. Like, that's where I'm, that's how I'm trying to convince myself that that's true. So that I don't get too disappointed with the news of Springer signing with the Mets. Which, I honestly, if I'm being honest, it kind of feels like it's inevitable at this point.
2: Yeah, exactly. I'm not. I'm not panicking yet. Like you said, there are there is still time. I mean, it's not like free or it's not like uh, spring training and whatnot starting next week. There is time, but it is still just a weird situation. I think if the Blue Jays do miss out on George Springer, the fans, a lot of them will lose their mind on Twitter. Uh, you know, people will say, you know, how dare you get us all hyped up for this entire off season and then do nothing. Uh, as for me, I'm not gonna get too angry. Uh, like I said, George Springer is a great player. I prefer him over Randall Grichik, but if they don't get him, I'm not gonna lose my mind over it. Obviously, I would prefer it, like I said, but it, it, it's kind of whatever. Uh, but in terms of pitching, if they don't get him, they ha- first of all they have to get a pitcher. I've said this all offseason. They need somebody to fifth or third spot in the rotation. They just don't have that. They have Hyunjin uh, Re- Hai- Hai- Ryu. They have Nate Pearson. They have uh, Robbie Ray, somebody that's going to take over the fifth spot, which is probably going to be from the bullpen. Diesel truck. Yeah, Tanner Hork too. Um, but they they just they don't have a full rotation, or at least one that I would be confident in to take them to the playoffs or even to the World Series. So it's just th- they have to sign a pitcher. And if they don't, then I will be very concerned and honestly question you know how aggressive were they. I mean, obviously, we don't know the inner workings. Uh, we know Trevor Bauer on New Year's Eve put out something on social media saying he was a, he had a meeting with the Blue Jays. So obviously they're doing things that we don't know about yet, but at the end of the day, if they don't get a some type of starting pitcher, then I will definitely consider this offseason to be a failure. And it's just it doesn't it doesn't get any worse than that. Like I said, you you need to improve that pitching staff. And if you don't, then people are going to question, you know, whether you were actually serious about it.
1: It's tough because for all of these names there's just it's coming down to the fact that there's there is a possibility that the jays end up with nothing and if they don't get george springer i just it almost feels like the off season would almost be a failure mark they would have to make up for a lot of it if you're going to make other signings but everything has been prioritized around george springer that is pretty much who the Jays have been targeting all offseason, and I guess with missing out on LeMahieu, maybe that focuses more attention on Springer now going all in. There's there should be no other distractions. I guess Trevor Bauer is still in there. I'm just I'm not convinced Trevor Bauer comes here. I still think there's a better chance George Springer comes here than Trevor Bauer. But I do appreciate the meetings they've had, and um, the other thing too is you know it's it's tough because it's almost like um, well it's not almost like I'm I'm almost convinced to this point now that in most of these negotiations with these players, that the Jays are almost used as leverage for other teams to It just feels like players are using the Jays' as leverage, and it's disappointing, and it's it's really nothing the Jays can do. Just like where they're from, or where George Springer prioritizes to play near, that's absolutely nothing you can do. But that can go for any other market. If the player wants to go home, regardless of who the market is that's trying to get him, there's, there's really nothing you can do. The only thing you can do is overpay. And that's not always guaranteed to work. But it just, the Jays, it just feels like they're being used for leverage. And I'm convinced it is now, especially with the DJ LeMahieu report last week where he was frustrated with the Yankees. He pretty much flat out, it's almost like his team leaked that information to use the Jays, whoever else was interested, the Dodgers as leverage. And for the Yankees to circle back and give him what he wanted. And in this case, it was the extra term on his deal by what, an extra two years. He goes back for the next six years rather than four if he came to Toronto and he's making less in New York, but he's got his term and clearly that's what he prioritized over, but it's the Jays are being used for leverage. It feels like at some points and even with George Springer, who knows how legitimate it it is because we haven't really heard much from, I guess, George Springer himself. Like I, or as I mentioned, DJ LeMay Hughes or that his, his agent, whoever it was, his, his team leaked the thing about being frustrated with the Yankees. We haven't really heard anything about that, anything close to that around George Springer, other than, the Blue Jays and Mets will be the finalists, and we'll see what happens. But when it comes to the fans as well, you know that fan, if fans were outraged over DJ LeMahieu going back to New York, uh, it's I can guarantee it's going to be at least double the f- anger or frustration coming from them if they don't get George Springer. And the one thing, too, is I guess with this week and the signings and DJ, DJ LeMahieu and Liam Hendricks, it's almost like the fans ignore... The term and the dollar it's 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 more it's it feels like it's more them just wanting to sign someone rather than i guess what makes the most sense and for paying a reliever x amount of dollars and it was 54 million dollars uh for liam hendrix that just it doesn't make sense it feels like fans are more worried about just to be able to say to people or to themselves that they signed somebody and that's that's where i think they're wrong and for george springer that's why if 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 he goes to the Mets, it's it's not going to be a good scene with the Blue Jays. They're feeling the heat now. Um, they've been feeling the heat all winter, but especially this week, and rightfully so. But if it's it's not going to be good uh, for Blue Jays fans if George Springer, we've, if the Jays miss out on George Springer, and the off season would fairly be disappointing regardless of who else you bring in like you're going to have to add a starter at some point we know that there's lots of stars available Mark you mentioned some of course Jake Oterizzi seems to be on the top of their list as well um, as a starting pitcher and of course Trevor Bauer who's going to be getting a lot of money whoever it is Uh, so you know it's just either way people are going to look back and say we didn't get George Springer and that's the problem is it's shadowed around George Springer because of all the momentum that's been building up since the end of the offseason and Maybe it gets them even more desperate, we'll see. But uh it it definitely has been a little bit of a concerning week in terms of the free agents available or sorry, the free agents that have signed. But of course there are some names available, but that that, that door is starting to close very fast as we head towards pitchers and catchers reports. So we'll see what happens. But you know, all you can do at this point is just hope that they can win over George Springer and outbid the Mets or pay him more or whatever it is. He chooses the Blue Jays over the Mets. That's what you have to hope for.
0: Yeah, this week definitely sucked. For the Blue Jays, like, especially after last week when, you know, we had the news of the Francisco Lindor deal, we, like, at least I was hopeful that it would take the Mets out of the equation. To some extent, it would make things easier for the Blue Jays. We would see developments either on DJ Lemayhu, on Springer, you know, all these guys, but it's just gone downhill with... Two of their target signing so it sucks and i sorry to anyone listening if it's a depressing conversation because Blue Jays aren't really doing anything right now and it's frustrating but let's uh let's talk about the one thing they did do this week and that's announce an extension for Mark Shapiro, of course, we talked about this earlier in the offseason, but his original five-year contract, which was signed in 2015, the offseason in 2015, um, was expiring, so the Blue Jays re-upped, gave him another five-year contract. Uh, Not really much to talk about here, because it was expected. He's done a good job in developing the team, um, not only the players on the field, but also the infrastructure around the team whether it's you know minor league facilities in Dunedin um, whether it's the high performance department you know improvements at the Rogers Center um, talking about a new Rogers Center although that's more um, you know corporate structure up in Rogers and Mark Shapiro but um, he's done an admirable job so far as we've said previously on this podcast Um, it's exciting to see him um, have another five-year contract and I'm excited to see what he can do with the Blue Jays
2: yeah exactly just I'm in agreement with you. It I, personally, I, I wanted to see this happen. You know, we said this uh, a couple months ago, actually. I think one of us predicted that it was he was going to at least stay for the next five six years, kind of finish off this uh, this core that the Blue Jays have right now. You know, uh, kind of take them through their competitive window. And overall, you know, it's a good move. I'm happy with it. I like Mark Shapiro. I like his team. Uh, so it's it's a good move.
1: Yeah, I remember having that conversation. I believe it was Mark. If not, it was Jacob. It wasn't me. I know that. I, I think I predicted around three, four years. One of you two, I, th- I think it was Mark Moore that said he was going to be around for the at least the next five years. But yeah, there's not too much to mention other than I guess no one's surprised. And it was something that kind of came across uh, the Blue, I guess, Blue Jays news at the beginning of the offseason, even when the World Series was still going on that, hey, Mark Shapiro's contract is expiring. And for the those past few months, we haven't really heard much about it. So you had to assume that this deal was agreed upon months ago. It, it easily could have been signed months ago, but it could have been announced this past week when it was. And that's why it's not surprising. And um, Ross Atkins, I believe, is with Charlie Montoya on this one. I believe their contracts are expiring soon. I'm not too, I'm not, um, I don't know for sure. I know Charlie Montoya has a club option for 2022, but I do believe Ross Atkins's contract is up. Uh, at the end of the year or within the next couple years. So that'll be interesting to see, but I'm sure he would stick around. But the main priority here is keeping Mark Shapiro around, who is obviously the, the guy at the top in terms of running this organization. And there's lots of things that Mark Shapiro has done. Uh, the spring training facility has been upgraded. Of course, the new ballpark has been mentioned, and that seems to be something that's going to come across, I guess, down the line now or down the road because of what's been going on with the pandemic. But not surprised, and um, I'm happy he's back. I don't, you know, going through and searching for another top executive would not be ideal if uh, he's been here, I guess, for the next, or he was here five years ago now. He started in 2016. Just it wouldn't feel like an ideal situation to be looking for a new. Uh, president and CEO at this time. So good Good to know that he's back and not surprised and get George Springer, please. <laughs> That's the one thing. It'd be great for him to celebrate his new
0: contract by Ross Atkins and him uh, signing George Springer. That'd be incredible. Um, and hopefully we can pop the champagne at some point over the next few weeks. But um, let's... Finish off today's episode by talking about The developments we've seen around baseball Of course there was uncertainty over When spring training was going to start When the season would start What it was going to look like But it seems now that everything is on track For a regular start of spring training And the season Um, Rod Manfred sending memos to all the teams Saying basically yeah prepare to start on time That's what we're planning for right now So it looks like it's going to be a pretty similar season To what we had last year In multiple Um, respects, because Major League Baseball is also planning to return to seven-inning double headers and starting each inning with a runner on second base in the 2021 season. Um, This was, of course, originally designed for last year when we had the condensed schedule, when we had a lot of pressure on teams to, you know, through 60 games, two months to, you know, ride through it, get your pitchers through it. I do not like this returning for a full regular season. Um, I think last year things could be changed, we were living through unprecedented times, and seven innings for a doubleheader, sure, ending games as fast as you can, sure, but doing this in a regular season, I do not like at all, I don't think it benefits really anyone, I don't think it's a positive in any respect, I'm not happy with Major League Baseball's inclination to do this, who knows whether it actually happens, but um, the fact that they're even discussing it, I'm not happy with.
2: I'm going to be completely honest. I don't mind the seven-inning doubleheaders just from from the side of 18 innings. For me, personally, I don't know about everybody, but 18 innings in one day is a lot to watch. And, and I like to watch, but like, you know... But that's baseball. Like, baseball yeah, is nine enough. innings. <laughs> I don't know. It's just one game. Like if it's a you know two-, three-hour game, I'm perfectly fine with and I enjoy it, but... You know, even last year, you know, if it was the summer, and I mean, I wasn't too busy with all the the COVID restrictions, but you know, normally, if say there's a game on at one p.m. and then they also play at four, from like one to seven p.m., you know, there's got to be a time where I'll have something to do and I can't watch the entire game. And obviously, you know, that's different for everybody, but I'll just be honest. I, I don't mind it. I mean, if if they go with seven inning doubleheaders, nine inning doubleheaders, then you know, I'll. I'll support and I'll, you know, be happy with whatever decision. But seven innings, I I don't know. I don't mind it. Uh, the only thing that I don't like is the fact that the the extra inning rules have kind of continued. Uh, we, we didn't see that in the playoffs, which was my biggest concern last year uh, in, from the regular season into the playoffs. And I'll be honest, I don't like the decision carrying over. Uh, I don't mind a runner on one of the bases. I think Mark mentioned... Uh, I think when the season just started, you said something like, instead of having a runner at second base starting in the tenth inning and then every uh, inning going forward, it was just like that until someone scored and won. Uh, it, instead of that, they would have a runner at first base starting in the twelfth inning. Which, to be completely honest, I prefer that. If if that has to stay, uh, then or if a runner has to stay on base, you know, they choose to integrate that into the league permanently. Then that's how I would prefer. It to be, but I don't like second base in the tenth inning because, like I said last year, uh, if if you're a pitcher, you come in to the to the game in the tenth inning, you could give up two fly balls and you still lose the game. You know, two fly ball outs and you still lose the game, and I don't like that. Uh, it's just, I, I understand wanting to make the games more interesting and increase the pace of play. I mean, I'll say for sure, I was you know on the edge of my seat the entire uh, the entirety of every extra inning. That the Blue Jays played, and really even any, you know, watching around the league throughout the season. But I just I don't like it continuing. Uh, I said this last year also. Imagine if instead of having a runner on second base, you just had two outs. So you you know you get two outs, and then it's the other inning. You know that sounds like a really uh, very bad idea. And that's just kind of the way I see it. And it's just overall I would like to see the game stay the same. You know, don't try to change it too too much. You know, worst case. Have a runner on first base in the twelfth inning, but for the most part, it's just it's just questionable why they wanted to keep it.
1: Jacob, I'm with you on the uh, double headers. Uh, I'm with you on the double headers. I just, yeah, it, obviously, 18 innings is tough to watch, but I feel like 18 innings for the players is enough, or that's even more tough for them to play. Is very rarely do you see, I guess, veterans play both games. It just, it definitely seems like something the players enjoyed. And Mark, I'm sorry, but I just either either way though, let me just point this out. Either way, it doesn't really affect me too much. If they play... Set, like, I I can tolerate 18 innings. I know most people or some people can't. But I can... The seven innings, it doesn't bother me too much. And when it comes to the runner on second base, that one, I'm not totally against... I don't, I don't know why. I just... I, I enjoyed some of these rule changes. But here's the other thing. I would like to tweak it. And Mark, yeah, you were the one who um, came up with the idea, as Jacob pointed out. I would like... Uh, 10, 11 maybe one inning or two innings, regular extra innings, and then if it keeps piling on, then you go to the rule where you start at second base or whatever it is. And Jacob, you were saying how you can, you know, potentially win a game getting two fly ball or a pitcher can lose a game. Sorry, getting two fly ball outs. Um, the only thing I can ar- argue against that is the other team has the exact same opportunity as you. So it's an, it's a level even playing field regardless. But it's uh, I I look at this kind of like the shootout in hockey. You can start with overtime, and then as um, <laughs> as it piles on, you can go to the shootout, or you can go to the runner on second base. And of course, when playoffs start, the shootout's avoided. You go continuous overtime in baseball. You go continuous extra innings. So I, I do like that idea, but it doesn't look like they're going to go along with that. Uh, they're just going to start the 10th inning off with a runner on second base, which that if that's the case, then I don't agree with it. But I, I kind of like the idea, and hopefully one day they progress or trend towards that. Um, in terms of that. But there's other rule changes that I guess are still in negotiations. There's the Universal DH, which I guess players want to return, but there's, they still have to work that out with the, um, the owners and the players. And that would be... First of all, I really enjoyed the Universal DH as well in 2020. I don't know about you two. I think, Mark, you were kind of more against it. I know, Jacob, you liked it, I'm pretty sure. And of course, there's the expanded playoffs. It doesn't look like they're going to do 16 teams like they did in 2020, but they would do probably 14 teams. And of course that is more than the traditional 10 teams in a regular season. so uh, anything expanded I'll take. I think 16 teams was was a little bit too much, but it was acceptable in 2020. and in a full season in 2021 I think 14 teams would be the perfect amount uh, to expand the playoffs and I really enjoyed how they handled the playoffs in terms of how they did the wildcard series instead of a wild card game and things like that. It's just the only thing, hopefully, that they don't do again is a bubble. Uh, playing in the home stadium should hopefully is the priority. But yeah, the extra innings rules, I'm not totally surprised that they were here to stay. You had a feeling that as much as they would quote it saying this is only experimental or only to increase the pace of play in a season in 2020 to you know get the players out of the ballpark as soon as possible, you just had that feeling that it wasn't going to go away just like that. And it was here to stay at some particular point or whatever it's just um it's not surprising at all but the the X ex- the extra innings is a little bit uh I think they still got to work on that I don't totally agree with it but the uh, double headers I'm I'm all for it and either way if they wanted to go back to nine I'd be all for it as well that one just doesn't really affect me too much but yeah I know Mark you feel otherwise
0: yeah I think I'm the opposite like I like the the runner on second I'm fine with I think it yeah. it kind of worked and of course like I enjoy long baseball games like I'm a baseball fan, but at the same time, like I think it it solves some problems with the game. I think it's fine. But the 7 inning thing is where I'm I just hate the idea of shutting off a baseball game after 7 innings. It's like that's not what baseball is. I feel like it's it's completely uh I, I don't know, perpendicular to what the baseball is supposed to be, and I'm worried that like I I guess I'm fine with it in a pandemic situation, but when you start... When you move it into 2021, when you have it in 2021 and a full season of 162 games, it feels like this rule is never going away. Like, it's going to be a permanent thing, which I do not want. Um, So, yeah, that's why. But, like, expanded postseason, yeah, I like that. Um, I wasn't... I didn't like it at the beginning of the season, but I've been a convert. Same thing with Universal DH. I don't think it really bothers me either way, although I think the league should make a decision on that so teams left, aren't left stranded knowing not knowing whether there's going to be a DH or not. But it's the 7-inning thing for me that just really bothers me. And I don't know why, it's just something I really don't like.
2: See, one of the funny things is I had to get used to it even late into September or whenever the Blue Jays would play it. I remember uh, one of the first couple times they did it, I think it was against the Phillies, uh, they played one of the games or, and then in the second game, I think they went on like a big run in the 6th inning and they scored like 3 or 4 runs and then the 7th inning happened and I was like all right you know now time for the 8th and then I see all the guys walking onto the field I was like wait is it it's over you know so I had to I had to get used to it but I don't know it's it's okay I guess you know it's it's still baseball I guess but at the end of the day if it, I want to see I want to know kind of why they do it. I know you Mark speed, said they want to speed it know. up
0: but I don't think like I don't I don't think speeding it up solves any of the Problems with baseball, like I like if you look at the actual time of games for like NBA, NFL, I think it's pretty similar to baseball. It's just like the action. Like in baseball, there's not that much action compared to other sports. So I don't think like making the games shorter solves that problem. It, it's still, it's still like you're still getting the same amount of action in the time that you have the games going on. So I think they need to. Make sure to you know speed up video replay, speed up mound visits, maybe institute the pitching clock, and actually enforce those rules. But I don't think cutting off two innings at the end really solves that problem at all.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's the big thing. Like one of the one of the biggest problems with baseball, and I watch a couple of other sports. And the biggest difference between people that are you know maybe not necessarily a fan of hockey or not a fan of basketball uh, that still watch the game, you know, even if. It's just for, you know, they're at a social event, and that's all they can really do is it's still entertaining, whereas with baseball, you kind of have to have an appreciation for it just because there is so much downtime in between action. And, yeah, maybe cutting two innings off, it's kind of weird. It's like they're condensing it, but at the same time, you're not necessarily condensing the time with or in between uh, everything that actually goes on. You could still wait 30 seconds between pitches or potentially two innings per uh, or two minutes per inning you know, so it's it's not necessarily actually uh, condensing the actual pace of play. It's just condensing the actual time. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a weird thing. But overall, I think one thing that I will say is about the playoffs, the rule change, I think that had to stay. And I think we all kind of knew it was going to stay. Uh, 16 teams is a little too much. I mean, personally, I'm going to be honest. I like 16 teams. I mean, the NHL and the NBA both do that. And, and it's entertaining. I think it's really great to watch it. But if, you know, some people say that it's a, kind of a participation medal you know you, you, you were a bit over 500 therefore you can you know make the playoffs and have a shot at the World Series okay fair enough I mean I'm just happy the playoffs are expanded I I cannot I could not stand how if you happen to be in a division like the Blue Jays where you know the the Tampa Bay Rays who went to the World Series and the New York Yankees who also made the playoffs you know they might have missed out on the playoffs this year just because they were all in a very good division I think there has to be some kind of realignment to where uh your, your actual five-team division doesn't essentially determine whether you make the playoffs or not just because of how good the other teams are.
1: Yeah, baseball's on the right track for, I guess, speeding it up somehow without completely ruining the game. And I think the amount of mound visits um, needs to be limited. And, you know, people argue that there shouldn't even be pitching coaches going to the mound. And if that would be something that wouldn't bother me either. But anyways, I do think they're on the right track. And yeah, I mean, there's people that agree with you, Mark, on how it should not be... I guess speeding it up won't, like, fix the game. And uh, unfortunately, our I guess the most respected commissioner in all the sports, Rob Manfred, feels otherwise. And I, I just want to say, too, the fact that Rob Manfred came out and said that spring training on time, 162 games on time, that is probably the best thing he's ever done. Like, it's a rare win for him. And a lot of people were saying how, like, is Rob Manfred okay? Like, it's it's just very <laughs> weird for Rob Manfred to do something that... Good because we need, like, there's no reason not to do 162 games. Uh, we've, we've discussed everything about obviously the attendance, everything like that. But if protocols are put in place, then you play 162 games, that's that's the way it should be working. Um, for that reason, and just the one thing too on doubleheaders, hopefully, the well, the one thing too is we were very we were introduced to a lot of doubleheaders this year, and previously before the pandemic, it was more. Only, or it was more that doubleheaders only showed up because of rain or whatever weather. And in this case, or in 2020, obviously, the um, obviously COVID players testing positive that happened a lot. But closer to the, the end of the season, it feels like the MLB got on track in terms of being able to finish games properly, less and less stoppages. So you can only hope in 2021, if you like this rule or not, about the I guess the extra innings rule, hopefully that there's not as much doubleheaders as we saw in 2020. That's just something to, I guess, pay attention to because I guess you can't rule it out. It just doesn't feel like it's it's likely that you're going to see as many doubleheaders, which is a good thing. You want games to be played regularly as scheduled. But uh, yeah, interesting rule changes. And um, I'm just happy that as of now, baseball is a go for a full season and a full spring training.
0: All right, well, we'll leave it there. Thank you to everyone who listened to this episode 100 of Section 138. Depressing as it may be, talking about everything that's happening to all the other teams and not the Blue Jays. We appreciate you listening. So as always, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Section138Pod to stay up to date with everything we're doing. You can rate and review our podcast on iTunes. Um, It just helps us spread the word about what we're doing here. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.